Oh man. Good morning and welcome. Let me go back one second there. Maybe okay. Uh, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We're glad that you're here with us today. I want to kind of reaffirm what Craig was talking about with our survey that we've sent out. We're going to resend that out this afternoon, just in case maybe you got lost in the. Oh man, he's back. Um, maybe that email got lost in your inbox or whatever, because we want you to be able to voice on how we're doing and maybe what we need to improve on or what we need to look at or. or what we need to celebrate, too. We take compliments here as well. Um, but that's, we're going to send that out just in case you didn't get a chance to do that already. It'll take about three to five minutes to fill that out. won't take a lot of your time. But again, that closes tonight at midnight. So uh, with that, I do want to say it's good to be back with all of you. Uh, we had a great and exhausting week, but we're glad to be home. And I want to say thank you again to JJ for preaching last week. Um, he knows he did a good job. We don't really need to kind of lean into that. Uh, he's very confident in himself, but he did a wonderful job. And, and if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to take a minute this week and listen to his sermon because he did an excellent job. And that's on our YouTube channel as well. Now, I want to start this morning with a new series and by doing that, asking a question. Who is somebody that has spoken into your life? I'm talking about those individuals where their, their words or their guidance made an impact on who you were and where you were headed. Perhaps it was a, a friend who just spoke into your life at the right time. Maybe it was a, a family member who was able to break through the nonsense of, of your life to get through to you so that you could hear the words that you needed to hear. Or better yet, maybe it was a stranger I think that the best advice that we receive as people is unsolicited advice from people who we had no idea cared about us. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh my goodness, this person cares about me enough to speak into my life. Now, regardless of if we recognize it in that moment, we've all had individuals like this. They've changed our lives because of who they were and what they meant to us. And over the next few weeks, as we turn our attention to Christmas, we're going to talk about three messengers in the story of the birth of Christ. Three individuals who spoke into the life of Mary and informed her that something amazing and world-changing was coming. But more than just the individuals, I want to examine Mary's response to each of these. Because how we receive important messages is vital to how they can affect us. Each individual messenger is different, their voices are different, and their intentions are different. Thus, we need to look at each one separately in order to see where God is leading us in those moments. But before we get to Mary, we've got to talk about Christmas movies. This is my favorite time of the year for movies. All our children have to do is ask if they can watch a Christmas movie and bedtimes are gone. Like, all right guys, we're doing it. And we will search Disney Plus or Hulu to find a movie that maybe they've never seen before that Whitney and I remember from our childhood. Now, last Christmas, I dedicated a whole sermon series to Christmas movies, and we are going to revisit a few Christmas movies over the next few weeks. But if memory serves, and as I look through my notes this week, I was very adamant last year that the best Christmas movie of all time was, of course, Home Alone 2. It's not Home Alone 1. I'm just going to say it out there. I know it's controversial. Home Alone 2 is a Christmas cinematic masterpiece. It has all the Christmas dynamics that we yearn for. Talking Christmas music, Christmas travel, family drama. you got to mix that in at the holidays a little bit. And of course, the Wet Bandits. But as I was re-watching this movie recently, uh, I was drawn to a character that I have overlooked from my thousand viewings of this particular film. 
it's a character that fits within the theme this morning of, of a divine messenger. Someone that we, we don't expect. Whose voice almost feels like it's God speaking in this movie. So who is it? Is it the family? No. Family's terrible. We'll just call him out on this. Uh, particularly Uncle Frank. A terrible person. He's very mean to Kevin throughout the entire movie. And let's just call him a cheapskate as well. He doesn't want to pay for anything. Hopefully you're remembering a little bit of Home Alone too. You can go back and watch it tonight too. Family fun movie night. The family does not count in this divine messenger thing. Particularly because the fact that they still accept Buzz. Buzz should have been kicked out of this family in, in Home Alone 1. But yet here he is, Home Alone 2, still terrorizing Kevin. It's definitely not the family because, again, they've still not disciplined Buzz and he's still a part of this family. So it's not them. They are not the divine messengers that we can see in this movie. Is it Marvin Harry? Absolutely not. Who would have thought that it was Marvin Harry? This is a sermon. We're trying to talk about good things here when uh, Marvin Harry clearly represent all things evil and potentially even Satan. But could it be the hotel staff? No. They self-identify as the finest idiots in New York City. If you remember that line, one of the greatest lines in that movie. But the person that I am drawn to as a divine messenger in Home Alone 2, and that I've often overlooked, is Mr. Duncan. He's the owner of the toy store that Kevin goes to during his day out in New York City. You see, this day started selfishly normal for Kevin. He ordered a limo with his very own hot cheese pizza to take to the finest toy establishment in the city. I point this out because when Kevin encounters Mr. Duncan, it's unexpected. Kevin is literally going along with his day and doing whatever he wanted to do. And then he goes into this toy store and meets someone. It's someone that he's never met before in his life. And although I could talk about their exchange, I think because it's Christmas and I love Christmas movies, it would be better if we watch this clip for a reason. I think Stan has that ready for us. This is a really nice store. One of the finer toy dealerships I've ever visited in my life. Oh, well, thank you. This Mr. Duncan must be a pretty nice guy. Letting all the kids come into a store and play with all his toys. Most toy stores prohibit that, you know? Why is that so? Yep. Well, he loves kids. As a matter of fact, all the money the store takes in today, Mr. Duncan is donating it to the children's hospital. And, and the day after Christmas, we empty out all the money in the cash register, and Mr. Duncan just takes it right down to the hospital. That's very generous of him. Ah, well, children bring him a lot of joy, as they do to everyone who appreciates them. I'm not supposed to spend this money, but I have $20 from shoveling snow in a jar in our garage where my older brother can't find it. So I can pay my mother back with that. So you can give this to Mr. Duncan. The hospital needs it more than I do. Besides, I'm probably going to spend it on stuff that'll rot my teeth in my mind. <laughs> ah, that's, that's very sweet of you. Hey, you see that tree there? Hmm? Well, to show our appreciation for your generosity, I'm going to let you select an object from that tree that you can take home with you. For free? May I make a suggestion? Okay. Take the turtle doves. I could have two? 
Well, two turtle doves. And I tell you what you do. You keep one, and you give the other one to a very special person. You see, turtle doves are a symbol of friendship and love. Now, as long as each of you have your turtle dove, you'll be friends forever. Wow, I never knew that. I thought they were just part of a song. They are, and, and, and for that very special reason. Wow, thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. We should have bundled up if you go outside. It's a little nippy. Oh, I'll do that. clip for a lot of different reasons, uh, but, but one is that whether he cares or not, Kevin's alone. His family in this movie is in Miami while he's in New York, uh, clearly having the best time of his life, but then somebody shows up unexpectedly to remind Kevin that he's actually not alone. In the clip that we just watched, Kevin receives two turtle doves from Mr. Duncan and is told that they're a symbol of friendship. And again, he, he may not realize it or care at the time, but he's alone. But yet here comes this random person willing to speak into his life and say, hey, you may not realize it, but you're actually not alone. Now, I don't want to spoil a movie that came out in 1992, but Kevin finds out at the end of the movie that he wasn't all alone. I'm not talking about his family or Buzz or the Wet Bandits. But we've got one more clip of a lady that helps him out throughout the movie, and I want you to see who Kevin gives those turtle doves to. Merry Christmas. Kevin! Merry Christmas! I got something for you. It's a turtle dove. I have one, you have one. As long as we each have a turtle dove, we'll be friends forever. Thank you. I won't forget you. Trust me. Again, I'm a big fan of this movie for a lot of different reasons. But I think we would all be hard-pressed to believe that Kevin would have been able to realize the purpose of those turtle doves and the impact that they would have had without Mr. Duncan speaking into his life when he least expected it. See, friends, this is the beautiful thing about when God shows up in our lives. It's often when we least expect it but need it the most. See, the story of Mary begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, Luke is framing this story, because there's a few details in here that feel like it's maybe a little TMI. 
Uh, we, we learn a lot about Mary, but Luke is, again, laying the foundation for a story that shows us that God is going to do something, something miraculous. And the next thing that Luke records is that Gabriel states, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. This is where this story reminds me of Kevin McAllister. See, we, we don't know all the details of what Mary was doing that day, but I guarantee you that she was not expecting to have an encounter with an angel. Perhaps she was planning her wedding, planning what her house would look like, going through just the regular stations of life. And yet this angel shows up and just says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. We can imagine that Mary would have been scared, and the text gives us that. The text tells us that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now all throughout scripture, when an angel shows up, the, the individuals are often terrified. And I think there's a little bit of that going on with Mary as well. And some translations will even translate this to Mary was terrified at this exchange, but there are also some that would argue that Mary is confused or troubled that a male angel would speak to her. This goes against the customs and standards of this time. But do you see what God is doing here in this moment? God is willing to break the norms of society to talk to Mary. God will send an unlikely spokesperson in an unusual way in order to let Mary know that something miraculous is going to happen. And the first thing, the next thing, excuse me, that the angel does is he, he calms those fears that Mary has. The text says, the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel continues with a message that would have been difficult for Mary to grasp. I think she would have felt isolated and, and further confused. I can imagine that Mary would have felt unworthy of such a calling. And as a young girl learning, the weight, learning that the weight of the world was about to be within her, she would have felt alone. But each Christmas, I love to visit the story of Mary. And I promise you there's a lot of it that, that I will expound on in the next few weeks. But really why I love the story of Mary is how she responds to this. This is a weighted declaration to give to a teenage girl who's not married, who is scared about where her life is headed. And an angel shows up to her one day and says, hey, I know that you had a lot of plans for your life, but God has found favor with you. And because of that, your world and the entire world is about to change. Now, if I were to put myself in Mary's shoes, I would have said, and I'm out. Uh, pass. Did you get the wrong house? Maybe next door is the person you're looking for. I would have tried to avoid that situation so much. The pressure of it and the anxiety that would have built within me would have been just overwhelming. But I want you to see what Mary says. Mary says, how will this be? Do you see that Mary's response isn't a rejection? It's not a refusal it's a request for clarification. Think about that for a minute. This girl who thought she was just going to be married to Joseph. She thought she was going to have her own house, her own family. She was just going to go through the motions of the world. 
Angel shows up. Everything changes. And instead of being terrified, instead of being scared, instead of rejecting this amazing declaration from the angel, she says she's in. When she uses the language, how will this be? She just wants to know how is this going to happen. I love this about the story of Mary. God shows up in an unlikely, unprepared way, and it doesn't destroy Mary. Rather, Mary appears to be encouraged, but just wants clarification. She just wants to know how this will be. I think it's because Mary knows what's coming for her as far as what people will say. Will people believe me if I tell them that I'm now going to have the Messiah within me even though I'm a virgin? I think a lot of Mary's stance there comes from that. It's not a rejection. It's a need for clarification. And this is where Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary is likely a good Hebrew girl who has found favor with God. And the language of overshadowing would have reminded Mary of a lot of the language that she heard of the stories of the Israelites. When the Israelites traveled from place to place, God's shadow covered them. A sign of protection, a sign of guidance, a sign that God had not abandoned them. And so when the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, uses this language of overshadowing her, this would have given this girl, who even if she was a little bit afraid, a little bit scared, a little bit nervous about what was coming, she would have heard this language and said, okay, God has got this. God is with me. God will not abandon me. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Never understood this. That's an aside. Come on, Gabriel. But Gabriel says, even your, your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is, able, who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. This language would invoke the same feeling that I think Kevin felt when he received the turtle doves. Kid bouncing around New York City without his family, which is whatever change he's got from his dad and his wallet. These turtle doves would have reminded him that he is not alone. Yes, the world is scary. Yes, the world is intimidating. But you are not alone. And the angel closes this powerful statement with this line, for nothing is impossible with God. An amazing statement about God's ability and how God has not left anyone alone. But this text ends with a dramatic and life-changing statement from Mary. She simply says, I am the Lord's servant. It's easy to celebrate those words and forget what has just happened to Mary. She's just a teenage girl expecting to be married, and all of a sudden, on a random day, God sends an angel to speak to her. But Mary doesn't reject it. Mary receives the word of God. But there's something else in this that's powerful. Mary just doesn't receive the word of God. She responds to it. When she states that she is the Lord's servant, she adds, May it be to me as you have said. This addition confirms that Mary will trust in God and walk with God wherever he directs her. In this, Mary responds to the messenger. And because of how she responds, her life and the lives of everyone in the world will change too. Friends, this is the thing about messengers, especially those divine moments where God enters the world to communicate to us. A lot of us 
have been taught that when the canon of Scripture was closed, so too were the miraculous works of God. This limits God and what God can do, and why would any of us want a part of that? Friends, God is still working and speaking and doing miraculous things in this world. And when God does, we must be prepared to not just hear God, but respond to God. So when God places something on your heart, don't hold it in. Respond to it. When God urges you to share your story and why you believe, don't hold it in. Respond to it. As a collective world, we are entering a time of the year where we celebrate the birth of Christ. Use those moments, those special and divine moments where God opens doors for conversations to share what God has done in your life with others. We were not called to keep the birth of Christ a secret, but we are called to be messengers of the good news of the coming Christ. Let's stand and sing together.